0: hi welcome to the holy fuck podcast i'm your host alexandra roxo author of fuck like a goddess creator of radical awakenings transformational coach and student of life i'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between enjoy all right today we have one of my best friends moon de simone on the podcast for a second time And this is just going to be the first of a series. I just know it. I feel like we went into some of the deep stuff and I'm like, wait, I want to talk about all this other stuff. So she'll be back. And also, this is just our heart to heart. It's a heart to heart of two sisters, two best friends, two seekers on the path. And I hope you enjoy the peep into our world. Everybody, this is Moon to Simone, one of my best friends and an amazing human. And today we wanted to talk a little bit about something that we talk about all the time, which is what family means to us at this time in our lives. And Moon is a part of my chosen family. And she comes from a family that has helped me see how much is possible with family, how much love is possible with family. So I have had the pleasure and honor to be to spend time with her whole not her whole family but but most of them and to feel this kind of re-imprinting in my own life of what family could be since I didn't grow up with I'm only child my parents were in separate homes um both worked full-time we didn't have the type of a or I didn't have the type of a life where we like all had dinner together at night and you know, mom cooked and, and, you know, everyone sat together. And so when I got to hang out with the Desimones for the first time, um, I felt that I was like, wow, everyone's sitting around the table and eating dinner. And I I know it hasn't always been like that, but during those moments, I got a reprint, re-imprinting of, um, of being really like amongst family love, not perfect love, not Family that doesn't fight, not family that doesn't have trauma, not family that doesn't have problems, but family that comes together, supports each other, talks, loves, laughs. Oh, my God, so much laughter. I mean, the, the, the super Protestant white people in Georgia that I grew up around, people were not laughing like that at family dinners. It was so tight. Oh, my God. <laughs> just like remembering back to my childhood when we did go sit with like you know some other family members and how every all the women's mouths were kind of like like pruned pruned together and like eat your brussels sprouts be quiet sit straight don't do that you know (laughs) um so anyway, the D. Simone family dinners were like that I was a bird of were just like wild, loud, so much food. <laughs> um, so anyway, I think part of Moon's work as a mentor and teacher feels like she's your big sister and she's got your back and that there's a lot of love infused into how she teaches and holds space for people. And she does create a feeling of family with you. And I think that that's part of yeah, what she what she brings. Not everyone who is going to show up as a teacher or a mentor is going to bring that. Some people bring the opposite. They bring like a sharpness and a fire and you don't feel loved. <laughs> you feel sort of like the rug is ripped out from under you. Some people love that kind of space holding. But I've learned as I reparent and heal and mend my own, um, you know, Wounds for lack of better words that I like to work with teachers who feel like love to me. Yeah. But everybody's different. So when we were kind of talking about doing another podcast together, we were like, Well, what's the most what's on our hearts right now? What's on our minds? And and it was this conversation of family.
1: Yeah. I think it's a, it's such a... Thank you, my love, first of all. Thank you for that. And there's a couple of things. I also feel that not everyone can hang with our family the way that you have and the way that you continue to do, you mm. know, because it is a lot. It's right. a lot. It's like, it's a lot of everything. It's a lot of jokes. It's a lot of playing. It's a lot of, like, poking fun at people, which is a very Brazilian way of, like, showing love, you know, in, in the States and in the United States to the more, you know, insecure Minds would say that we were bullying, but it's the furthest thing from that. It's like the more you, lie, I was you that know. insecure mind. I so was you were so like, fragile, you, you, right? It's just, it's just a fragility that you weren't used to it. But you, but you then I lost.
0: adapted. I adapted.
1: You did, and it's like you—you you are someone that can hang in any circumstance. So that yeah. also shows. The depth of who you are, even though that was so different than what you were raised, you know, your willingness to see, oh, this feels like love. I want this, even if it feels a little like vulnerable and uncomfortable. Right. And you
0: have. Yeah, and, it, and it helped me here with my dad because my dad always teased me when I was a kid, but I took it so personally. And so when you and Sa teased me, I was an adult and I was like, first, really offended yeah and then eventually I stood up for myself and then eventually now I would just laugh I would laugh with you like if you guys were like oh look at her be so sensitive I would be like I am sensitive but at first at first I was like how dare you yeah
1: yeah which makes sense it all makes sense yeah (laughs) yeah it's 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 not for everybody. I've learned, I have learned <laughs> stuff that it's not for everyone. And
0: wait, um, have you had friends that you guys brought to dinners and stuff who were like, what the actual fuck? Yeah, really?
1: Yeah, let's not let's not talk too much detail into no, that. No, no, I don't
0: <laughs> want to know names or anything like that. But I'm just what would what would a moment be like where somebody sits with you guys at a dinner and it feels completely uncomfortable would they stop talking or
1: yeah just freeze it's literally like you become ice cold and it's like oh wow because it's coming from a very pure loving place but because and it makes sense if it's so different to you the the conditioning of our minds is to say there's something wrong or bad just because it's different so you close off and you need to protect Um, but then that's where you get to come and say, well, this is not actually a dangerous situation. It's coming from love. These people are loving, they're joking. And so, you know, that's what happened with you, but yeah.
0: But I had the cultural tie-in. So because I grew up half in Brazil, I had a context for what it means. Because when I was in Brazil as a kid, my aunties would tease, oh, they would say, Ah, gordinha. Venka gordina. You know, not to me actually, but to my cousins, like one cousin in particular, which for you guys who don't know what that means, it's kind of like little fatty.
1: (laughs) More like little chubby. It's like very cute. Yeah, little chubby chubby chubby. Yeah. There's something around the nicknames and yeah, but I understand it's not everyone's culture. It's not everyone's Come but for me, her. it
0: was shocking. And I got on a, a whole feminist crusade about it very young. Oh, you sure did. I was just like, <gasps> how dare they call her fat? I can't believe how abusive my Brazilian family is calling my cousins fat. Da, 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 da. And I just eventually, you know, it's it's that. I wonder if that self-righteousness is a part an American quality. Not like I'm, I need to blame somebody for giving that to me. <laughs>
1: Just a little bit. I think I think I feel it more here. I do. I have to just be honest. Yeah. And I was just in Brazil, so it's not like I was just there when I was fifteen. I was just there. Yeah. And there is a difference in the way that we get more offended and insecure, and then it goes to the other end of the scale here. Yeah. Um, And you did do that for me as well. I remember there were times that you were like wanting to stand up for me, and I was just like, everything is okay. We're just joking. You know, like we have so many. I was so
0: triggered so many times. I was. I'm just
1: laughing because I remembering us at the restaurant here in New York, and I come with the hat. Oh
0: my God. You have to tell this story.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. This oh, that was amazing! I missed you, me. and I miss being together in New York. Um, yes. It was just—it was you're loving, you know. And it also took me a Wait, minute. No, to- no,
0: no. We get to just—we. It's been enough years. We can talk
1: about this, right? Yeah, you can tell the story. Okay, you're okay, such okay. a wonderful storyteller. So I'm
0: sitting <laughs> in a, We have just gotten back from India, and me and Moon, <laughs> me and Moon and Sa are like craving Indian food because we need like a little reunion moment. So we decide to meet at an Indian restaurant in the East Village. And I'm sitting there with Sa, and Moon is the last to arrive. Well, we won't use the word late. We'll say the last to arrive. <laughs> and she, she was also late. And she... Wait, wait for this. Wait for... She comes in, and she's wearing a fuzzy little bucket. This is it called a bucket hat? Yeah. A fuzzy bucket hat. Now, you guys, this is
1: before. This is four four years ago or something? It was 2019, beginning of 2019, because we went to Ooh. India. Four years ago. So she is like
0: so above the trend. She is so ahead of the trend. She is like doing the things that the coolest Gen Z people are doing, not the mainstream Gen Z, not the ones that have now been seeing the hats for years. She's like, I spot this trend, right? Like, and I like it. And I'm going to wear this bucket hat in 2019 Mm -hmm. and it's fuzzy. So it sort of has like a 90s kind of a nod to it. So it's like yeah. fuzzy, it's like fake fur bucket yeah.
1: hat, leopard print. Leopard print. That's right. <laughs> and she You're walks, she walks into
0: the restaurant wearing this hat. <laughs> <laughs> and Sa looks at her and he is like, What are you wearing? <laughs> And she's like, I don't know. I just got it. I like it. I really like it. And he's like, uh uh-uh, uh, take it off or whatever. <laughs> I'm not, I don't remember exactly what he said. And then I come in with my favorite dynamic, which no longer exists between the three of us, but it had a moment. It did. So I came in with my favorite dynamic of coming in as the like judge, jury, mediator, referee, referee, you know? And I'm like, oh, saw, so let her wear that hat. If she likes the hat, let her wear the hat. Don't tell her she can't wear the hat. And then you're mad at me. I remember mm-hmm. this one because you were annoyed with me this time. You were kind of like, girl, let it go. Let... <laughs> I don't need your your mediator right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't remember. And, and, and then, you know, you uh, but then the the thing was it would I I I coped with how uncomfortable you guys it could get between you. Which was uncomfortable. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That you guys you guys would shoot some like glances towards each other and just kind of "Mm, "Mm, "Mm," like a bickering couple.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, we do act, we used to, now it's totally, thankfully, those patterns have evolved as well, but we did used to argue like a bickering old couple, (laughs) but for us, it wasn't uncomfortable because we've done that our whole lives, you know, we've always just been that kind of like, and when that happened, there was, I think now I'm thinking back, it's like, I was just like, I don't need you to stand up for me, right, you know, there was a part of me that was just like, you don't need to take care of me, it's up, it's like, and there was also a part of me that wanted to stand up for him myself. Even mm-hmm. if he thought the hat was ugly, I could just say, I like the hand. I'm going to keep it. So when you were like, Leave, let her wear the hat. And I was just like, I can do that for myself. I'm I'm strong enough or whatever right. that I was feeling. Um,
0: and also, right, the other like, I totally got out of my lane and came into Moon's lane because I love it. Right,
1: but but <laughs> you can. You are one of the few people that I, I. you can come into my lane at any time. You know what I mean? <laughs> The thing that happened at that moment, I think it was the beginning. I think, you know, it was because of things that happened in our India trip as well, that you were also involved with cyanide. We were really ripening an old karma pattern that we've had. And yes. it was that was the beginning of that change, actually. So I was already was. feeling too, like I stand up for myself and I say what I want um, because we, we, we grew up always asking each other for a lot of opinions, you know, mm-hmm. and but it was a very funny moment that that I remember and then I yeah I kept the hat it lived on for a while I mean you were
0: so ahead of the trend I think about that hat could have been like on white lotus now or whatever it's true. that's you
1: know. true well thanks my love yeah all the dynamics
0: how we grow but you know there was so like I think an important thing to 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 point out when we're creating this conversation and context around family is that family chosen family and, you know, biological family exists differently in different cultures and different cultures in terms of different ethnic cultures or nationalities and also different subcultures, right? Like being a part of different, um, scenes or subcultures even within within the united states for instance and so i think that like mm, yeah i'm just i'm i think i'm curious like where where do you fall right now in terms of being a brazilian woman who has been in the states for a while whose whole family well the nuclear family moved here and how, are, how do you now feel the reckoning between American family values and Brazilian family values?
1: I feel that now I can, I have enough space and and like, I guess, enough inner stability to see how different they are and where I want to be as an adult. Right. I think I've navigated with like, oh, this is how I grew up. This is the way. And then moving to the States at 16 and feeling like, but wait, is this the way? It seems so different. I don't know. And there was also those parts of me that really wanted to belong, really wanted to like be a part of things here. But it, I remember feeling like it just doesn't feel right. I, I feel very much connected, like in my heart, to the ways that the family values are in Brazil. They're like, you stick together. You may live together as long as it's necessary, you know? And there is a deep connection. It doesn't matter if you live far or close. You talk all the time. There's a sense of, of like closeness, you know? And even if you don't live close, and like I was just in Brazil, but there's at least like once a week or twice a week that the family does come together and share a meal even the extended family you know and it's not like you only see your family once a year on a holiday which right that to me I was like what do you mean you're only you're gonna wait until Christmas to maybe see or Thanksgiving no wonder people grow apart and then there is no closeness because you never see them you know right Um, right I don't I don't I don't love that personally, and I don't actually think it's beneficial for anybody. I think it's just something that it's been deeply ingrained in the culture here for some reason that I don't know why. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because a lot of different cultures value the family unit in a different way than American. You know, like I think different countries in Asia, obviously, Latin America, I imagine in uh, different countries in Africa. Um, but I think that there's there's a greater, well there's there's a potential reason that that happened that has to do with hyper individualism and capitalism and go, you know, living the American dream, right? Where you go pursue your dreams and that's what you're meant to do. And the dreams come from some magical place within that you decide that that's your dream, right? And you just trust it and you move away and you do a thing and you start fresh and you conquer new lands and you create new new home and community somewhere else um and I'm like I'm thinking I'm like I think one of the shadow sides about not leaving family is if the family dynamics are pretty toxic or I guess toxic's not a good word let's scratch that if the dynamics are dysfunctional or um traumatic you know um if there's abuse addiction just dysfunctional patterns and of behavior and if no one is changing them then one of the things people do is leave
1: yeah and yeah no go ahead no you go i think i do think i agree with the fact that there is this sense of like becoming an individual and going after your dreams and i also i also think that there's something to do with this this idea of like, I can't wait to get out of here or this is my family, we have to make it work, the two extremes of that. Right. And I also think that there's a, there's something to be said around, I do think space is extremely important and I do value people going out and like finding themselves and getting out of their hometown if they wish or living away from the parents, but not as a way to go to the furthest extreme. You know what I mean? I think every extreme, as we know, it's not really sustainable. You know, there isn't, Of course, I think individuation is necessary, but to the extent that you can still relate and build new dynamics with the people, which is not easy. You know, it's not an easy thing for you to go to the people that are closest to you and show up as a new version of yourself or a more loving, kind version of yourself. And also have to reconcile, like you said, with some childhood trauma or wounds and perhaps you and your family are not wanting to have those conversations or they're not wanting to talk about it. But I think it's more about you doing that for yourself and knowing how to accept and live with the people no matter where they are. Because at the end of the day, they're still, you're still you're still family. You know, I think that there's something that comes from this capitalist view that it's all or nothing. You know right. what I mean? Right, right, right.
0: Yeah, and I think that is a really hard work because part of the, the problem, let's say, in people starting to go to therapy, consider their problems, their wounding, their trauma, is that it's really frightening to be honest about what you see in the family unit. And then how do you reckon being in contact with that? Like I'm thinking of some of our friends I mean, I have my own, but I'll put mine aside for a second. But I'm thinking of some of our other friends who have had, you know, pretty gnarly abuse in the inner attachment system or with the parents who have worked really hard to create healing and peace. And it's still a struggle. Like, it's not an easy thing for them to have dinner with their abuser or with their parent who's, you know, an addict or who's denying their experience of abuse, et cetera. And it's interesting because all of those dynamics have been happening in families across time. They're not new and they are not special. Like it's, you're not special. If sadly sad, it's, it's tragic. You're not that anyone who's, who's experienced like childhood sexual abuse or being the child of addicted parents or any of that, that it's not a unique, maybe I'll take away the word special. I'll say it's not unique because it's so prevalent. It's, it's so widespread, but I think in the past people just didn't talk about it, you know? So you were preserving the family dignity and the family unit and not saying, wow, like, grandpa did this or you know um grandma used to hit all the you know whatever it was because at the time those things were just not talked about and i think that's i'm not saying that that's why every american person moves away from their family right that's not true at all there's plenty of people who just move away cuz they want to go to law school and then they you know meet a girl at law school and get a house in the suburbs and they see their parents on on holidays and it's not about it has nothing to do with their family lineage being abusive or dysfunctional, right? So there's that whole area. But I think some of the listeners here in this community are probably more on the other side of, well, I don't engage with my family anymore, or barely or rarely, because it's all really fucked up. (laughs) You know, like, what do you think about that process i know your story has been a little bit different like that like that's not your story per
1: se It's not, but i've heard enough you know i've heard enough from clients and students and and like read enough about this and but it's interesting that even within my story there could have been there could have been options to to not stay as close as we have you know i think people people assume that they see us as a family let's say on instagram or they hear stories and they assume that it's that the that that's just a given of course we've been very close this was like one of my mom's main thing was to always stay close she literally worked to her last breath to make sure that that we would stay close so obviously that was always there but staying close and actually having a friendship it's a whole nother story that we 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 worked for that and within that to make right. that happen okay you know? right. what I think happens sometimes it's that even if, let's say, what happened in your family wasn't as extreme as childhood abu- abuse or an addiction or whatever it is, I think every family has trauma. It's just uh, the conditioning of the human experience. Like you right. and I and Ruby were talking about the other night. It's like it's in everyone. It's right. just how much of it have you been willing to look at and talk about? And sometimes what I think it's that it's so hidden in the back but all you experience in the front, it's like an aversion or like a reaction. So you choose to stay away, but not actually choose to look at yourself or have the inner reconciliation to then perhaps have a new relationship. And the yeah. other level, this that I think it's very interesting to bring up, that it comes back to that idea that the this old mentality negativity bias conditioning that we have is that we think that you did something that's who you are you know like we're, we right. don't really give people chances and of course i understand if you were part of the trauma if it was if you was something that happened to you it's extremely difficult to say yeah. i'm going to forgive or i'm going to reconcile they were hurting they were drunk they were high or they were half asleep whatever the 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 example is but again it's like it, no matter what it is, I still believe that you wanting to have some level of inner reconciliation with yourself or with other people—it's not for them. I think people sometimes get a mistaken that right. they're doing things for the parent or for the person, but it's for you. It's for you to uncover more love within yourself, right? Right. Right. Life. Right.
0: Right. That is true, and it's something that my therapist has reminded me with my relationship with my family. She's like, "Yeah, you can hold this hard boundary." you're really holding your love back. And so um, eventually that might really hurt. And it does, you know, it hurts to have to hold a boundary of love, like to not be able to give love because it's so unsafe. Like the person that hurts most is us, but sometimes that's just what has to happen because, I mean, I've experienced that quite a bit with my, own healing journey with my parents. There's times where I've had to just like close my heart because I'm I'm I, my ability to have healthy boundaries was so um unhealthy. Like it was kind of like I need to actually create a very clear boundary because otherwise I am getting sort of sucked dry of my resource. Um, but then eventually we would hope that okay. Uh, I can have a middle ground, right? Like that there's a middle way that's loving and kind. Um, but that takes really deeply unhooking from the dynamic. And it's like, you know, it reminds me of you and I unhooking from the dynamic of like, when I was, I kept getting so upset with you over a particular thing. And I was so tired of getting upset with you. And I was like, I don't like who I am when I keep getting upset with you about this thing. And I said, I need some space. And that was really hard. But I was like, I need some space because I need to reckon with why I'm getting so upset with you around this. Why I have such an expectation or a rigidity or around this. And that was a beautiful example of I, I changed my expectation. I actually did. I was able to in a few months unhook from my need in that case for you to be on time, but I unhooked from that need. And I yeah. was like I unhooked from it. And it, it was so fascinating cuz I've seen our some other friends of ours stay in the <laughs> stay in uh-huh. that dynamic, but I'm like I liberated myself from that. That's, that was a fairly innocuous one. It's not a, it's not a real heavy one, right? Like I think it's a lot heavier with parents or something that involves like abuse. Like there the, the was a, it was light, you know, yeah. but it was unhooking from a pattern. And I think that when we're putting a boundary with someone in our life or part of it is so we can have the space to unhook from the dynamic and we know that we're not unhooked because if we try to engage and that same trigger is just getting us again and again, we're like, OK, no, I'm not ready for that. And that's OK. You know?
1: Yeah. And I also think you mentioned something so beautiful In and I'm not trying to tell your story, but we've talked about this enough. It's that like sometimes you do need the very hard space and saying I need that space. Not so much like the example that you gave from our relationship, but that also, but let's say with a parent, you need the space to tend to yourself. How do you take care of yourself? What do you need? What's not working and how can you show up? But then you get to from that place, try try from a new place to engage with right. this person. again. I think that that comes back to giving yes. people in experiences in relationships another chance from a different place instead of saying no you did that you're bad it's done we're cut for life it's like no one is one thing it's like we're always evolving and growing so if you're giving yourself the chance to look at yourself and hear why won't you give the person of course it requires a lot of discernment to to Not fall back into old patterns and old ways of being, but that's where that's what healing means. You know, you can love the person with space. Like you can love the person and not talk every day. You can love them and send them love or check in. It's more around keeping the heart open. Right. Give the relationship a chance. Right. Right. Give not even a chance, but giving the relationship a new chapter. Right. Right. To experience something new. Right. And which is like you said, we did our our experience and our relationship grew tremendously, you know? And I did not like when you asked for that. I was just like, what do you mean you need a friend break? Who does that? It was the first time in my entire life that that had happened, you know? And I was like, oh, I remember feeling like, are you serious? You can't find, I remember feeling angry at you, thinking like, why can't you tell me what's happening and we can work on it together? Because that's how I have always dealt with my close relationship. Let's talk about it, we will work on it together. Instead of me accepting that you needed to do something on your own. And I was like, okay, fine. Well, and it was a huge trust that I also told myself. I'm like, you love Roxa so much and she will likely find a way. And if she doesn't, then this was a wonderful epic friendship that lasted this amount of time. It was like, I had to, I had to really be willing to say, okay. Yes. And so it is. And then, you know, yeah. I remember thinking, wow, it's been a month and a half, or wow, it's been so long. Talking to our, to a, one of our friends in common, I was just like, so did you see what she did? We're on a friend break. You know, I had this little moments that I was just like, but it was just a little girl in me that didn't know how to be with something so new. Yeah. But you've taught so much to take space, even yeah. when you, especially actually, when you love someone so much, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, I knew if I kept... I would keep trying to change you if we kept trying to work it out. My rational mind would keep trying to convince you that, well, if you said you're going to be somewhere at a certain time and you don't, then it's not fair to me. It's not respectful. I knew I would I would stay in that position if we just kept trying to talk it out. I knew that I had to change my position and that, right. that I had to do on my own, which was to say, moon's being late has nothing to do with me and if she respects my time or values my time or not and i had to do that on my own and then i don't know like i just did and i wish it was that easy with other people like my partner or my parents (laughs) but it's there yeah i whenever i try to bring you into therapy and compare our friendship (laughs) It's bad. It does not go over well. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Because there's not be like best friendship and lovership and parents. It's all very different dynamics. And um, there's obviously a little bit of crossover, but it doesn't always apply. And that's why there's something. There's something so amazing about chosen family. Like we're chosen family. We can rely on each other. We can count on each other. And we don't have that added layer of trigger and intensity that happens for from lovers right which is just a whole another karmic path yeah
1: yeah but again it's like i i actually don't think i i mean obviously it's extremely difficult in, in so many ways but i i don't think i would give any any of it up for it to be in any other way you know what i yeah.
0: mean no Yeah,
1: I feel that I feel that we enter in relationships because that's that's what we do as humans. And that's where we get to see ourselves, you know, because, sure, you want to you want to think you have an easy path that you're going to say no partner. Goodbye, parents. No to everyone and live by yourself. It's impossible. We are completely dependent on each other. Yeah. And within that, finding who you are amidst that the interconnectedness is a real practice. You know, it's a real practice.
0: So I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm like, oh, interesting. I'm like imagining other cultures. And I'm curious if there's as much emphasis on meeting a partner, love, husband, wife, partner, whatever. And having that person be like the center of your universe. I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking about American movies and all of this kind of emphasis around meet your person and they're going to be your everything. And I'm like thinking back to Brazilian movies. I mean, there's a lot of romance. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, is the myth of your life revolves around this one connection, this one attachment partner, this one intimate place of love is that partially because we've lost contact with the family
1: well, that's
0: a really good point like i think so. about movies like because we love movies it's like movies yeah. in asian culture or latin culture or you know where you there's a lot of people like okay crazy rich isn't
1: <laughs> yes yeah. a lot of family in that movie Yeah. And it's interesting because I hadn't actually thought about it like that, but it makes total sense because like in Brazil, you will live, you can live with your family, with your parents for as long as you want. You know, there's like this huge compound like houses or you live in the same building. If when when you do get married and even when you do, even if you get married and you want to stay living in the same house, you can, you know what I mean? You and your partner and your parents live in the same house and that is absolutely okay and it's like absolutely part of the culture whereas here there's something about people are are like can't wait to turn 18 to go as far as away as they can from their family so then it makes sense that then they're searching to make their own family right they're searching to their that sense of belonging is thirsty and in need again so i yeah that makes i'm yeah i think that that there's something there as well and I'm, of course, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like searching for your lover and your partner and like wanting to build your own family. It's interesting because I'm also thinking about that now, which I never have. Right. I used to always be like, oh, whenever I have a partner. Oh, whenever I.
0: Which maybe is a more. It, it, it's it's l- there's less need. There's less of like this. I need the love. Like I need my other half because you have enough love grounding stability from the family. Yeah. Yeah. So you're coming from like a place of more, more fullness or wholeness or love or whatever.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's why people end up hurting themselves so much. And then wow, taking it even step further, why so many people get in relationships so early without having really looked at themselves and then have kids early and then end up on the whole cycle of hurting themselves because they're like, I need someone to feel like I belong to feel like I'm a part of something because you unconsciously or intentionally cut the cords with your actual biological family or at least with some level of relationship with where you came from yeah Yeah.
0: totally and i just i think that contributes and i don't know if it's western i don't know if it's european as well but it contributes to looking for one person to fulfill all these needs, right? With Which like the work of Esther Perel and like her, some of her book, Mating in Captivity. I remember I read it so long ago, but it's like asking for one human to be your best friend, your sexual passionate paramour, your uh, domestic partner. You're asking one person to be everything and to love you, to hold you, to be there when you have a bad day. And if you don't have any of the the family or the village around, right? Like kind of going even further back, then it's a lot of pressure for one person, which undoubtedly contributes to why the divorce rates are so intense. I don't know. It'd be interesting to look at the divorce rates based on different countries. Some of them, the countries, people are not getting divorced because women don't have the really the agency and that's a whole nother thing. But maybe there's also places where, People are, they're not looking for their marriage or their partnership to be everything. They're soulmate of soulmates. And so there's less desire to divorce because you're like, I mean, and that's that's part of what I saw in Brazil. Look, there's a lot of shadow sides I can talk about what I saw growing up in Brazil in terms of masculine, feminine, misogyny, all these things. But I, thinking back, I'm like... The women let the men do their things. Like these are the hetero relationships that I saw. The women like the women did wi- the women did women things, <laughs> and the men did men things. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but they weren't trying to do all the activities of their lives with their partner, with their husband. They're not going to the gym with their husband. Not getting their hair done. They're not going grocery shopping. Like, what do you think about that? Like, is that is that Like, is that, would we look at that as as feminist, da, da, da? Would we look at it and go, well, that's just, you know, this misogynistic culture, or is there something to that? Hi, everybody. Quick little interlude here. So I wanted to tell you what my favorite things are to put in my morning smoothies or morning coffee, chai, mate, cacao, depending on my mood. So I've been using... Uh, this incredible rose powder from Anima Mundi, which I love connecting to the spirit of the rose. There is this beautiful, deep, powerful, feminine essence that I feel in the spirit of the rose. And so putting it, actually ingesting it, feels so incredible so that I can become um, less human and more rose. That's part of one of my life goals. (laughs) Um, But I also use uh, from Anima Mundi Herbal's their happiness tincture and the energy tincture, which have lots of good things and they actually taste good, which is very important to me. And they also have just come up with some incredible rose body oils and face oils. And there's a rose face mask, which is beautiful and gorgeous. So I just highly recommend anything that comes from a really ethically sourced place, a female owner, they have incredible information on their website and their newsletter that helps you create ritual with the products, which I think is just super helpful and really beautiful. And the vibe is on point, And that's what's so important to me as I am a consumer in this world today. It's, it's, is this product in integrity? Can I feel uh, the heart of it? And I really can with Anima Mundi. So if you want to try any of their products, use the discount code Alexandra fifteen, and let me know what you think. All right, you guys, back to the podcast.
1: I think I think there's something. It's so fascinating to think about it like this because I think there's something about having enough space and having enough female friendships and having your own your own friends uh, outside of the the main sort of like couple and then keeping the relationship fresh and exciting because like my mom had friends that she had been friends with for like 40 years you know girlfriends that they grew up together that they would see each other regularly and my dad the same thing and that's literally how things are and there, is, there isn't this need to be together all the time because you also do know that you have those moments, whether it is the weekly dinners or whether it is the, the lunches that you have together. that That is already so deeply infused in there. So there is no need to push, need to be together all the time to feel like you're together because the bond is a little more nurtured and secure, I think. Yeah. It's funny that I did see, I don't know, maybe it's changed now because Brazil is also always trying to become United States. It's like, right. It's, Right, especially now social media and everything. It's like they even speak some words in English. It's so hilarious. It's like, oh my god but I was at the grocery store just now when I was there in December with my aunt and their families. But it's not just the parents; the entire family is shopping. Ah. Mom, the parents, the whatever partners, and then the kids uh-huh. all pushing around the car, getting things together. And I was just like, what a funny thing! It's like a, it's like a, a thing that they do together. So that uh-huh. might have changed that might have changed
0: yeah yeah because they're watching american tv shows too which defines so much and when we were kids the the link was tv but there was no internet it was like tv and movies was the only way that the culture could be influenced there now it can be influenced all the time like 24 7
1: and I, now I, I was just also thinking back to what you're saying about you know the this this let's just focus I mean, we're focusing speaking about the united states that we know very well because we live here. Right. we're thinking about you know you leave your house so soon so early and then you go to find this partner and there's something that just like kind of hit me that i'm thinking it's like and then the pharmaceutical rates are insane and then the amount of people that are obese are insane and the amount of diseases are insane the amount of people that are, are just like distracting and shopping and hurting themselves is off the fucking chain it's incredible so i'm not saying that this is a direct link but i do think that there's something here to be said because you go so far away from something that's so deeply rooted who you are it's like your your closest bond you run away from it so you're often just like looking for something to feel like you're right. a part of it. you're looking for it in the drugs in the food in the shopping in the friends in the partner you're never going to find it because it's actually not there right you know, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it is in the parents or in the family. I'm saying it's in the relationships that that were so formative and important for our lives, which is a family, you know? Yeah. And even if the parents or or the grandparents or the caretakers are no longer here, it's more around tending to, to the wounds that are still within you, right? You can't change the people, but you can change how you relate to the experiences, which I think it's it's like healing one-on-one, obviously, as we know, but it would be so yeah. special. To imagine if people did that a little more yeah
0: it's it's like it's distilling it into like love and belonging and obviously those things aren't happening the whole time and obviously there's problems conflicts dysfunctions that arise etc but on the archetypal level you're you're cutting yourself off from the nest right the nest the womb and there there would be let's say um in like this hero or heroine's journey a time where you leave the nest, you go and you check out the world and da-da-da-da-da, but you don't never come back. Like you come back, you, you tend to it in some way, you come back home. The, 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 the adventurer comes back with all their stories and all of their scars and that kind of thing. And they're welcomed back by the village or the family or whatever. And I'm sort of giving this in like the most elementary archetypal way, which someone else is a scholar on the subject and would go very deep on it. But yeah, I think the problem is when we leave that home belonging, love, more nest and we never come back, you know, and there's where we just really we cut ourselves off from our roots. Right. So the roots are cut and we're just floaters. And it's, it's sad. I'll say I have floated a lot because I didn't feel a sense of home in Marietta, Georgia. Uh, my mom left Marietta where I grew up uh, not too far after and, you know, moved somewhere with my stepdad, whatever. So I wasn't going back to where I grew up for Christmases and stuff like that at a certain point. And it was just her. I didn't have other brothers and sisters, you know. And um, so there's like no reason to return to a nest. So the closest thing that I have to that is New York City, which is funny because that's where I moved when I was 18. And so that's the only reference point that I have personally for what my roots feel like, what it feels like to feel home, to feel comfortable, to feel like I belong here. I can be on the subway and I'm looking around and there's all different types of people wearing all different types of outfits and no one gives a fuck. And I'm like, this is what I know to feel like home. Um, And, But that is, it's almost like an orphan's home. You know what I mean? It's like a place where people who don't have home find home, you know what I mean? And so there are those people and there's there's nothing we can do about it in a way. If you only have one parent and they died or if you have a parent that you, you're estranged from or your only child or for whatever circumstances you don't have roots to return to, like that is hard. And that is why I think we create our own family and roots.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I'm in this place right now, and then I'll stop talking about myself. But where I've like, I feel like I I had created all that, and then I lost it. Like I I lost it because I chose to uproot for love, and it meant that I got I, I essentially put myself in a very precarious situation because I had created roots in Los Angeles with friends and clients and students. And I had been building for six years, which felt like a long time after leaving New York. I mean, I went back for a little bit, but. And so it felt like ah, oh, just it felt like six years, just as things are starting to get rooted here, I left. And that was such a gr- grieving point because it meant I left home. I left belonging. I left the little snippet of what felt like home. I left feeling like I have people and I went somewhere where I had no people, no relationship to the land, to the spirits of the land, to the history of the land, nothing. And it felt incredibly difficult. And it was almost impossible not to depend on my partner for a lot more resource because there was no, there was nothing else for me to turn towards. And, you know, now I'm facing this decision of where to make home because I can't do those winters after the last two winters and living on a hillside and all of that. And it's interesting to talk about this with you now because you're also kind of going to make a new home, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But you know what I you know what I find so fascinating my love by everything that you're that you were just sharing that I'm I'm sitting here thinking it's like I think that we tend to go to this place of like okay I have to find this home or I have to make this I have to reconcile with my parents or with my family so that I can feel this sense of home so that I can find a home and what, what we're saying I think it's a little more it's complex because it's like it's really more around the inner reconciliation it's like i've had so much healing with my dad that he knows nothing about he has no idea right i've written him letters that he never wrote i found the letters in the closed envelopes but our relationship Wait, changed because- he
0: never read but you sent to him
1: yeah i sent him the letters and he, never the- opened them. he never opened them. Wow. And I, asked, and I asked thinking maybe you know he closed the envelopes or something and he just said no i don't need it oh Bye-bye he didn't even know it he doesn't he didn't know what i was there but in some more mysterious subtle levels he obviously knew it was just for me you know what i mean he he continues to love me the way that he yeah. does but i could see that as love instead of wanting him to be the dad of the dream the disney channel blah 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 blah. so what i'm just wanting to add here is that we're not saying that people need to go back and and and, and like befriend the mom and the dad and the friends, but it's more about you reconciliating within yourself to then just feel that sense of love within you to be able Mm -hmm. to build a home from that place, which is what you've done. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? You built a home in New York and in LA and now you are finding a new home, but you have found this new home within you, which is like the sense of like inner stability and inner safety that is going to reflect that. Because I think like, if there isn't that inner home sense of, of like security, we're always going to be falling short, you know, even if you find the perfect person and the perfect everything, it's like something is missing because those parts are not actually connected and and like integrated within ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm not even, it's like, of course, I'm curious about where you're going to end up, but there's a part of me that's, I'm not worried, you know. No, I'm not even. I also think that there's some things sort of like, because the inner home is more tended to, that there's a lot more self trust and self resilience that you that you have that inner loving, right? That the outside yeah. continues to reflect that. Um, and I always I used to always say, and you've told me this, you've told me this as some other some other life when I, when I was talking about dating back in the day, and then you and Rachel actually used to say you don't have space. I right. don't have space to date because my main focus had been my family, right? right? And I always thought I'm so, I feel so safe and so held and so seen because I've always had this very close-knit, you know, very tight nuclear biological family and on top of that incredible friends. Um, but there was also parts of me that were hiding behind that. To not look at the parts of me that do want a partner now, right? So it's always like there is yeah. the two sides of everything. There never really ends, you know? Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I've been the opposite. I've had like the most space. Like I don't, I've just been myself. <laughs> no, no. I have space. Love me. Come on over. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I was thinking about, yes, you and I, we could settle where we can live, excuse me, anywhere. We have enough inner resource. We have enough connection to life that we can, and we we have enough friends that we can FaceTime with that we can feel loved. But there's nothing like that time where we were all in New York for a hot minute and how yes. much fun it was. It was just fucking fun. And this was a particular phase. Like we had young you had younger times in New York that were amazingly fun and me too, but we were mostly, you know, drunk and stuff like that. But um this was in a phase where we're sober, we're having, I mean, I was mostly, I wasn't like hardcore, but but we're our lives are not revolving around partying, but we're still having so much fun. We're making dinners. And I'm just like remembering being um you know, on the floor at Lisa's, like, loft where I was living, Um, I don't know, was it Jackie's birthday or Sa's birthday?
1: Sa's birthday. Sa's birthday. And we were just... That memory came to me, too.
0: That's funny. And it was just so much love. And it was like a gaggle of weirdos. The problem with me when I moved to L.A., I was like, everyone's so polished and perfect. And like everyone has a six pack and everyone's like so tan and everyone drives such fancy cars. It was, a, it was the antithesis of what I had lived as an artist and a little bit more bohemian lifestyle. And so the, the time that I felt the most at home was when we were living in that artistic bohemian way. But we were also not broke and poor as fuck, but we were, <laughs> we could get nice food but there was so much love. And so for me, there is, I do have a desire to live in that way. Again, I lived in that way in Seattle too, but we were broke, but there was so much love, so much art, so much community, great conversations over dinner. And since it's like, since those times, even when I was living in LA, I was looking for that. I was like, where do I just, where do I, where do I find that again? You know? And yeah so yeah, I, yeah.
1: Go, I'm please. just saying
0: like regardless of yes we can find that home wherever we are we can light a candle we can make some good food there can be one person two person three people and you create a home you create family you create that but there's nothing like being with the people you love
1: yeah and and, and absolutely I 100% agree and I think it goes into what that that one of those research about the blue zones one of the main things that allows people to live the longest is because they live near people that they love they're always surrounded by family by friends by community you know they live the longest because they're they they share meals with people they're surrounded by family and friends they don't live isolated and don't see anyone or just their immediate family and i think that there's something to be said around also you know there's always going to be a compromise you know i'm thinking like okay finding a place that more of us can find together. It's not going to be perfect for everyone, but what's the main value driving the choices that you're making, you know? And it's such an interesting time in our lives that so many of us, well, so many of you, I'm not at that place just yet, but like are settling down and are thinking about families and growing and having those conversations. And even though I'm not partnered or thinking about you know, kids or anything like that. There's a part of me that longs to, similar to what you're saying, to just actually be together. And and there is something about a place like New York that, of course, everyone's doing their own thing. But there's a sense of like pe- people moving and going and 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 right. like looking and connecting in that way because you're so connected physically, right? I think in LA there's something. You get in your car and then you get in your car and then you're right. Almost too much space. Whereas here there isn't. Um, right yeah, I think it's important
0: to find a I way know to- there it New York feels more like European or maybe more Latin because I don't know I mean that's a very vast generalization but that there is that thing in LA where people are making a like a dinner date for three weeks in advance or a month or two months yeah and that to me felt so like what okay like we're gonna hang out three weeks from now i mean that didn't happen with with you and when you and saw were there and with with one of my best friends became it's just like hey what are you doing i'm coming over thank god yeah, like yeah. come over but that that felt very rare it felt like the rest of the culture there people are really busy and they're yeah. they're really they're doing very important things I will say my friends, Sophie and Dee, they would be like any night if I, if I said, what are you guys up to? They'd be like, come over for dinner because they have three kids. So they, their home is a, is a a little center where people can come anytime. And it's really open like that. Also, a lot of people have more kind of closed family units, closed, like their lives are more private so that they not everybody's priorities are the same, right? It's like a little bit more hippie to be like, come on over. Let's just chill. Let's sit on the floor. Let's have tea. Like let's talk into the night.
1: Yeah. But I think, I think of course we have those preferences. It is who we are. And at the same time, I think it's about finding everyone's ex everyone's expression of that, because it's not like, it's not like you have to be so flexible to say come anytime, but it's more around having that openness to connect and to be connected and to be in person with people more often than holidays right or or two times a year you know it's around actually being surrounded by the people that you can get to see yourself because that's why we relate so you can see your fucking mind you know if you're just around the same people it's quite limited unless both of you are doing deep deep spiritual work
0: even so it's boring.
1: i don't know but you you can speak to that you know I just,
0: what i mean I, just, I did i've done i've been doing it
1: yeah <laughs> yeah i think i i also feel like there's so much there's so much healing internally about thinking about families you know we, we were speaking about this before we started i think that there's so much healing that's like we think it's just it is about the family mom dad partner pre- whatever but it's so much for us to have that sense of 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 family you know of reparenting your parts reparenting your inner child to be able to have these deeper relationships you know to actually be able to connect and sit on the floor and talk for hours i okay. think that that's a huge part of the work that that i think sometimes is is lacking that we we just get so hard, you know, and we're just thinking, I just got to go forward or look right. out. And it's, yeah. I wonder what it felt like for you when you, when you were like, okay, I'm going to just like, because the, 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 the inner work that you've done with your inner child in your history is different than mine, you know? Yeah. So I'm I'm just curious what it felt like for you and how it, it really shaped and supported your relationships, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, it's just, it's not been easy. I mean, it's been some of my deepest work healing around both of my, I mean, it's happened in layers. I started reckoning with my own wounding or pain, we'll say when I was like 18 and going, okay, I need to work on forgiving my dad. I'm going to do this Doreen virtue forgiveness meditation, right? Like I'm going to forgive him. And I remember being, how old was I? I don't know, 33. Whenever I, I rented that place in Topanga for a few months around my birthday, it was probably in 2018, actually. So that would have been five years ago. So I would have been like 34. I um, had a whole nother kind of slew of dad stuff come up that was, uh, brought on because of some abusive behavior that he did to his ex-wife that really triggered some of my own memories arising about like wow this like this is actually like a new level of clarity arose in me that I was like oh that wasn't there was a lot of not okay stuff that happened in my life and i think part of my survival was Uh, normalizing my parents' behavior and just thinking considering that like they're both like very adventurous and like a little wild (laughs) you know so it's like I I can't I can't say some of the stuff that either of them have done without it sounding sort of sensationalized and I in my first book I like wrote some stuff and I was like I gotta take that out because it just sounds too sensational like it sounds too fucked up and i had normalized so much enough to just be like they're just funny they're just kooky or passionate you know and like i heard sarah Polly talking about this on um glennon doyle's podcast sarah Polly is a writer director she wrote women talking recently and she's done all kinds of stuff But she said that, you know, she used to tell the story of this particular sexual assault as a comedy at dinner parties. And she would tell it in this funny way that it didn't sound like a sexual assault because she had normalized it inside to just be a funny story. And I can't remember exactly what it is, but you can find it in um, Glendale's podcast with her. And I did that with my parents Like, especially my dad, my whole life, I made it into comedy hour, like some of the things that he did. And it helped me to normalize it and to make it so that my life and my childhood seemed so grand and hilarious and just like an adventure and like a movie. (laughs) And eventually I had to really reckon with, oh, that was abuse. You know, a lot of these things that happen. Um, I made a choice and it was around this time I was like at this house in Tabanga alone, staying in this house alone, um, which was a beautiful edge for me. And it was, it was such a gorgeous house. Um, and I was like determined to move into a new phase of manifesting abundance in my business. But during that time, all this stuff kind of arose. And I was like, I don't know if I can have this man in my life because now I've kind of pulled the, the veil back. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, that's actually pretty bad. And I sat with it and I was like, I have a few choices. I either have to cut off ties with him and not speak to him. Or I have to reconcile with this inside myself. And. I did, I reconciled with it inside myself. And it, it wasn't easy, and I can't say that there's a formula. I mean, it's, it's just a lot of a lot of therapy, crying, deep work, plant medicine experiences. Um, definitely, ayahuasca was supportive during those times. So I can't say it's the thing that worked or not worked. But um, and then eventually, and I wrote about this in my next book. He apologized to me. I was terrified to go see him. I wrote about this in my next book. I asked Moon to come with me. I asked a guy I was dating who's a polyamorous father of four in a marriage. He's like, I'll come with you. I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's the best idea. <laughs> um. And eventually I went to see my dad on my own. And yeah, he apologized to me. You know, he said, I'm sorry, I made your life a living hell for a lot of your childhood. Mm. And that was such a crazy moment. It was like clarity dawned in him, but it didn't, he didn't do the work to change. So it was like, he had a moment of clear mind, but he's still the same guy. And I, I experienced that recently when I went to see him and I had a lot of a situation occurred that brought me right back into my childhood. It was very, very, very difficult for a few days. I felt very thrown into my childhood trauma again, which was just a reminder that though I had done the work to reconcile and to forgive, and though he had apologized, it didn't mean he was a different person. He's still the same guy. He hasn't been going to therapy or doing spiritual work or investigating his behaviors or patterns or his mind or You know, he's still the person who is a lot of his inner parts are stuck in his trauma from his intense sexual abuse and physical abuse as a child. And so that is still getting projected onto others. And and for him, it came out quite strongly when he was drunk when I saw him recently. And that was very triggering to the little child in me that was like, oh, my God, he's completely unsafe right now. And though I'm an adult, the child part basically went into a deep freeze and I could barely speak. And um, and my partner didn't really know that what was happening was related to so much more. And it it was a big unpacking and it was a big reminder that like, okay, you can forgive and you can do all this deep work, but it doesn't mean things are going to be roses and sunshine, you know, like unless two people are doing the work, you know so and even then, yeah and even then yeah but I mean I I what it did was it freed my heart of anger and resentment it freed my heart even even like after that experience in February I'm like I still don't resent him because I just I know that he doesn't know how to deal with his pain and so getting drunk and then in kind of being terribly mean or terribly inappropriate to others is a way that he can reckon that he's reckoning and it's all unconscious and it doesn't make me like it doesn't make me angry anymore it just it does though make me proceed with caution and just know okay that this person is still extremely wounded and that may come out at any point like they may be really loving and kind Eighty-five percent of the time, or even ninety, but that, or even ninety-five, but even that last five percent, the impact of that can be tremendous. And that's the that is the scary thing about. I was thinking about this the other day about being in any type of abusive relationship. It's like the ninety-five percent is can be awesome. Like somebody can be the best. They can be so loving and so amazing. But that other 5% can be so damaging, and you never know when it's coming. And, you know, that's something that it's a whole longer conversation about what what's abuse, psychological, emotional, sexual, what all these types of abuse really are. But regardless, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I obviously can't put my whole healing journey with my with my mom or dad into a little quickie. But that did take time it did take space and it did take feeling do i want to close my heart off is that going to be worth it and to me it was like no because that's going to create like a like a wall in front of my heart that will be there forever with everyone yeah
1: yeah It'll be there for everyone. That's the thing that I think people forget. And, I, and I'm so glad that you shared this entire thing and how it can still hurts. Again, because people think it's all or nothing. You do the healing and then everything is roses and rainbows and butterflies. That's not you're doing this healing first of all it's for you so that you can continue to keep your heart open for your healing for your life for your highest expression and to continue to meet him with space with discernment like you said with caution knowing that it could happen again and maybe there's a few moments that it doesn't happen
0: but it's not like it didn't it hadn't happened in a while so I was feeling real comfortable
1: (laughs) and I think and I think that's like It's the risk you take with any relationship. It's the risk you take with living. You go out of your house, there is no guarantee that you're going to come back. You Mm -hmm. start drinking your coffee, there's no guarantee that's going to land well and you're not going to have a stomachache. You know, of course, a very simplistic example, but we think that if I do this and it's a guarantee that you'll be loving, it'll be amazing, it'll be all perfect forever. It is not, you know. Like, I have very secure, beautiful, incredible relationships with both of my parents, both of my my brothers. And it's still a rolling, not a rolling stone. It's still a, a roller coaster, you know, yeah. in different ways. In different in ways. Different ways. I'm yeah. not, there's no need to compare. But I think the gist of this and the reason why I asked is that you opened your heart for you. Yeah, like for your. And I future. knew that
0: I needed to, if I wanted to fall in love with a really great. That's, where, that's I knew that, I that if I myself, exactly. I knew I needed to do that healing work, and so it was worth it. But it was gnarly for sure, and um, but also, you know, that's just part of my karmic curriculum. everybody's just so different, and you know.
1: And I think accepting that this is the curriculum you're working with gives you a little more like, all right, well, this is what I'm doing. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, if, if it was just like, what if, what if it wasn't like this? Oh, why, why can't it be like that thing? And it's like, everyone's got shit to work with. There's not yeah. one person that is immune to having karma, to having shitty things happen, to having death of parents or yeah. abusive parents or whatever. There is not one single human on earth right now that is immune to this. If you think they are, it's an illusion that you're perceiving their stories on Instagram, first of all, or if they're believing that they don't have it, it's because they're living in a surface diluted view of reality that they haven't looked or willing to because also it is a protective mechanism to just say oh I'm not going to look back oh it didn't happen right. we protect ourselves by forgetting by yes. distracting by numbing um but the main reason why I wanted to bring this up and ask you is because I think it's very important that it allowed you to open up and to create incredible prosperity and love in many areas of your life you know yeah because, totally because how deeply rooted into the core of who you are, those relationships, how those relationships impact you, you know? Yeah.
0: And I like what you said, like no one is immune to suffering and this idea in some of the new age spaces of like the law of attraction, like if you stay in a good good vibe, then good things are going to happen to you. That to me is so harmful and so fucked because no one is immune. The fact that people in our lives have left, have passed away, that we've lost jobs. That is not because we're our vibration is off. So if you're listening and you're stuck in that paradigm, I wish you to to set yourself free, um, because it's not your fault. If you yeah. you don't get food poisoning, it's not your fault. If someone you love gets sick, it has nothing to do with you guys having a low vibe or you know yeah. not manifesting the right reality. It's not that. This is. Yeah. We we are little. We're just little ants on this planet. We're there. Are billions of us. Sorry, we're not that important that we can control everything. And that is, I just think a way to surprise. Anyway, well, we can leave that for another day.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like I've I've asked and I've read enough of some highly highly evolved, highly advanced teachers talking about karma because people are like, oh, if I do this, then this will happen. It's like, oh, honey. Come not that fast. <laughs> not that fast. Not that clear. Not that obvious. Karma, like what happens in your life and what you get to work with, is so complex. It's so yeah. mysterious. It's so specific in particular. And like how how much we can actually see of it is like 0.001 percent of the magnitude. It's like you're trying to decipher a. Uh, uh, And understand a tree you couldn't you know what i mean it's that's us trying to look at our karma and try to justify why did this happen oh because of this it's like no it is not i'm i'm living that in real life right now you know what i mean like why do incredible people die who knows there is no justification things just don't make sense but you're gonna sit at home wishing for them to be different and like wishing your life to be different or try a little bit each day to tend to yourself and show up with a little more loving i would choose the latter any day you know so it's it's messy and like this this one of someone i was was just teaching a class last weekend and they were they were just really really coming from that very rational wanting to make sense thinking that life is this mathematical equation but i've been doing this but that thing doesn't happen i'm doing this and i'm like there is no way to know why. There is no way to know why this is happening. But if you just keep thinking, I'm doing this and I'm not getting the result that I think I deserve or I think I want, then that's that's exactly what's happening. You're still hooked on if I do this, I want that. We're so we're so like driven by by wanting the 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 outcome, the results, the results.
0: exactly. The results.
1: Give me the result. Give me the outcome. Give me the happiness. Give me the end. It's like no, it's, it's well, and that
0: just is such a, just a marker of our culture, impatience, dissatisfaction, consumeristic approach to things. And it's a bummer. And it's a real paradigm shift for us to, to, to realign with the cycles of nature, to see that you cannot force a, a flower to bud. You have to wait, you have to be patient, you have to water it. It actually may not bud at all. And that's okay. And that that's just trusting. We cannot control everything. You know, we are not We are powerful in some ways. And then in other ways, we are a part of a gigantic ecosystem and we are a part of a network that is influencing each other at all times. And we are not singular. We are not separate. And that idea that we can control everything in our lives and make it, it's this idea that we are just a little unit on our own, that we're not impacted by everything. And I hope that we can, Fall back into the knowing that we are interconnected, that we mm-hmm. do impact each other. And that whether we choose our families or we heal with our chosen or our biological families, whether we create new villages or whatever, that it's an essential part of our human nature and that we do need each other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We do need each other. We're completely interconnected and dependent. You know, it's like it's so fascinating to think about, like, just look around you. Everything that's in your home right now, (laughs) everything that you're wearing came because of other people made for you. The food that you eat, someone planted, someone harvested. You know, we're totally dependent on this very, like... Objective level, but also we are here because one person carried us in her womb. Two people came together in one way or another. It's like we're so dependent on each other. And like when we remember that, it softens the the hardness of thinking, I gotta figure this out, but there's a way. It comes back to that this or that. There has to be a way. What's the answer? What's the objective? It's so binary and dualistic yeah. and it's so Oh, it hurts me to think about that and also to see how much we keep hurting ourselves by thinking I'm bad or I'm wrong, or I didn't yeah. and she did and I couldn't, instead of like living with the mess a little more, you know? Yeah. living, Like you said, like maybe it's not going to work in that way. Is that okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe you have to wait for the next cycle for something else to arise. Can you find something to be grateful for, to work with right now? And it's very. It's far out and, and it's like, yeah, I, I feel like there is, I keep reminding myself because sometimes I get very like, you know, there is no way and things are terrible. I'm also in that such a deep grieving place right now that I'm like, ah, but then I remember it's like, no, that's not actually all true. You know, there's always a part of us that can trust and can see the hope and can see the potential. Can we give that part a little more space? give her the mic you know let her be the driving let her be the driver instead of the pessimistic negativity bias dualistic and 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 like objective driven part of us yeah that that's a possibility that's there I mean that part is there just waiting
0: yeah oh I love you so much we could keep talking till the cows come home
1: yeah literally I was like wow this is thank you my love
0: Good. I'm so glad to have this conversation and Let's keep having conversations here with this community. I I trust you all that these are things you're dealing with too. And I really wanted to have a conversation with Moon because this is part of our private conversations. And these are things that we talk about a lot that are really important to us. And we were like, let's bring it out into this community because other people are likely going through similar things and this podcast isn't just about you know featuring different amazing inspiring humans but it's about having hard conversations and important conversations so thank you so much moon for doing that with us today
1: thank you my love thank you so much for having me and for having these conversations forever and ever thank you thanks everyone
0: forever and ever and ever and ever i love you i love you bye everybody we love you too
1: Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very
1: soon.